All right, let's get this shit show on the shit road. Mm. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 280 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast where we're all really far apart, and the delay in uh, the delay in those uh, introductions indicates uh, a long road of editing ahead, a hard <laughs> row of editing to hoe. And if you can hear the delay, it's because Zach fucked up. <coughs> yep. How's it going, guys? Yeah, not right. bad. Has anybody fucked up anything interesting this week? Uh, I had a headache all week. Pro- <laughs> yeah, Kevin, what did you, what did you what did you fuck up? Uh. Like my immune system or something? I don't know. I'm I'm dying. I'm I'm in bed in New Haven. I think your parents did that via their mate selection. Oh, that's entirely possible. It's either that. Apparently, you're supposed to be able to like determine whether your immune systems are are complementary based on how good kissing is. Oh yeah, and how whether you whether you smell good, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe your parents didn't like kissing. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. That's, that's true. I've never seen them kiss. But they just thought that was just normal. I mean, I know your mom really likes it now. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, just because she's constantly that. telling me stories about smooching dudes. <laughs> that doesn't right. help me at all, though. In all no, it doesn't. Ways. But maybe you'll have maybe you'll have uh, younger siblings that uh, that will that will carry your genes forward without you having to do it. Is there like an extra Lamarckian evolution where it changes to the parent after birth? <laughs> Changes the the uh, offspring. It's like super Lamarckian. Mm. Uh, you can buy it at the super Lamarket. Uh-huh. Kevin, what are you doing in New Haven? Uh, well, for the past two or three days, I have been just laying in bed. Uh, and before that, uh, I was visiting friends on the East Coast briefly. Um, got to see Mr. Mags again for a second weekend in a row. <laughs> Uh, which was great, uh, and then yeah, then I got sick, just laying in bed at Melissa's parents' house. It sucks to be sick at somebody else's house. I mean, it, it's fine, right? Like, because I could just, I if I was home, I would also just be in bed. So whatever, right? Like, it kind of, kind of like sucks. Yeah, to I guess being in somebody else's house is better than being in like travel. a hotel or yeah, a bus. Even in being yeah. a, even in a hotel, lying in bed is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the hotel, I guess. I uh, would actually argue that lying in bed is probably the best part of being in a hotel. Is lying in a bed in a hotel the best lying in a bed you ever get? No, no, but it's it's serviceable. We uh, what if you mistook a zoo for a hotel and there was a lion in your bed? The, uh, I would I would leave. There was that you hotel that was a cage, and it turns out the lion is the, you. I would and, put on the room service sign. Get so like, this line out of my bed. Yeah, so like room service is another example of a thing that's pretty cool about a hotel that you don't get at home. Yeah, well, I always put on the do not disturb sign because I don't want to be fucking disturbed. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather lie in my own filth for a week than have somebody digging through my shit while I'm not there. Yeah, same. Uh, they don't have that, that at the zoo, <laughs> though. The, the point of the story is that the zoo's not a hotel that you thought it was, and that's how you got Some, into this mess in the first someone's place. Someone's got to clean those enclosures. Okay. Yeah, but they do. It you think they let hose. the animals put a put a sign up that says "Not today"? <laughs> <laughs> We're having sex in here, and they're like, "We know it's this cage is not opaque." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all leaving the tire swing outside the door when they're done with it. I, I 
having been to a zoo as an adult, um, it super weirded me out. Like most animals don't give a shit if you watch them having sex or do anything, frankly. Mm-hmm. And like most animals don't care about humans, but like it really weirded me out looking at like the gorilla or the orangutan enclosures and the gorillas and the orangutans clearly care about people. Like they are, they are interested in what people are doing and they are interacting with people in some way. And like, there was, I can't remember if this is something that I saw in real life or something I saw a video of, but like an orangutan was just obsessed with a human baby. Yeah. I think, I, I think I saw that video. Okay. Maybe you saw it in real life and posted the video. Yeah. It could be, it could be, but think things like that. Like I, I remember this one. Is it just hungry? Life, an orangutan or, or what? was like, what was that? Is it just hungry or what? Uh, it, it seemed interested in a, the baby as a, as a small primate. Like as something to take care of. Oh, okay. Like Tarzan. That was that was my reading on it anyway. It was um, all dreamy looking, and I wonder what that orangutan looks like when it's pissed. I mean, if it's <laughs> if it just looks like a dreamy looking, you know, kind of kind of parent instinct, sort of like ah, this is a pretty cool face. Right. Even when it's like ripping your genitals off. Right, right. The thing I do remember seeing in real life was someone was like up against the glass looking at these. Uh, I think it was a I think it was a gorilla this time. And one of the gorillas just charged the glass and punched it right where the person's face was. Wow. Um, which is just like, I don't think it was actually assault. I think it was like, I would, I just want to get a reaction from these people. Hmm. Do you think it was like a prank? I think it was a prank. Do you think, you think, did you think Harambe was the, uh, was the Ashton Kutcher of the Cincinnati <laughs> Zoo? <laughs> if only. <laughs> and that's why they had to shoot him. Yeah. Well, no, really what happened is Harambe went back in time and strangled himself while he was still in the womb. Oh, anyway, that, that's a spoiler to how this, the tale of Harambe ended. Anyway, that made me feel bad about primates in zoos. Yeah, it seems pretty fucked up. I don't really care about other kinds of animals in zoos. Yeah. It's like it'd no, be I'm... pretty hard to get pissed about that and still like enjoy a delicious hamburger right. as often as I enjoy a delicious hamburger. But yeah, I don't want to eat things that are smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. elephants are kind of which is why I really shouldn't eat pork because they they mm-hmm. they're apparently a lot more self aware than other stuff. But what was that that was more self aware? Elephants. elephants, elephants. Oh yeah, this well, is I don't need probably the worst connection between the remote uh, hosts that yeah, we've ever it's, had. It's been, there's going to be a lot of a hell. What'd you say? Going to be uh, a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and so the audience gets to hear it twice because they're hearing it crystal clear. Elephants. Um, I remember reading that, like, the reason that we don't think of elephants as being super smart is that no one studies elephants because they can't control them. Hmm. We just... think of them as having good memories. They're the they're the go to animal for oh, yeah. having a good memory. That's true. Hmm. And for being uh, I saw a video of recently of a somebody right. filming a video while they're riding an elephant, and the elephant picks up their phone and hands it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. So that's pretty smart. <laughs> so an elephant knows what a phone is and knows that you probably want it, but yeah. it doesn't know enough to say, you're riding an elephant, presumably somewhere interesting. F- put your fucking phone away. <laughs> Although I guess they were filming a video. It's not like they were just like, oh, here, I'll, I'll give you this so you can check Twitter. <laughs> I mean, elephants are the symbol of the GOP. That's pretty smart. <laughs> do, do, do we? Okay. This could be an interesting excursion or not. Do we know the origins of that symbol? Or of the donkey. I feel like I read about the origins of it at some point, but it wasn't an interesting enough story for me to remember, yeah, much less okay. to recount again. That, that I've, I've definitely, like, that happens to me a lot, but it could also be because I'm old. Kevin, I bet you could make up a good story. Well, I was thinking that uh, 
that there probably were symbols that were applied by the opponents because the the donkey seems like something that you mm. like somebody would apply to you like oh you're a jackass and the elephant right. I can imagine derogatory situation where it's like oh you're you're uh, immu- immovable you you don't you won't ever change uh, you got a long memory because you never actually want to get anything done moving forward or something I don't know yeah it could be yeah. Right, you can still remember when when slavery was a thing, and you're really, you know, you're really nostalgic right. about Did it. All all Republicans ever talk about is how the, the Republicans freed the slaves in 1850. Take that, GOP. <laughs> hey, I guess we still have insurance, guys. Yay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, probably good. Did, well, do you have insurance at all now? Nope. Yeah. Well, no. so okay. but I'm I'm so you still you still get to pay the same fines. I'll get I'll have insurance once I'm married. So that's uh. Okay. Sneak in through the back door. But not through the ACA, right? I mean, no. No, but that's just because I'm so, like, scared of dealing with the bureaucracy. Like, Mm. I could have presumably done, had this, like, two years ago and uh, was just, I'm making a video game. I can't think about this. Yeah. Amelia set it up for herself when she was freelancing last year. And it was, they actually, after all was said and done, it seems like did make it fairly easy. Yeah. To get it set up. It was just like go to a website and type in some stuff and do it. But I don't know. You might need to know your social security number and stuff, which yeah. you're probably too busy for that. <laughs> <laughs> I re- oh, man. I was going to tell you my mnemonic device for remembering, remembering my social security number, but then you would know it. And so would all the listeners, but it's pretty hilarious. Does it involve your mother's maiden name? Because that makes it even more valuable. (laughs) Yeah, it does not. And the name of your first pet and the first concert you ever attended and where your spouse was born. It's, it's, it's like that. It's like that, but like something a geeky loner would know instead of where anybody, any other human would anything to do with any other person. I like the security question that's what was the first concert you ever attended because it makes me remember that the first concert i ever attended was marilyn manson (laughs) Um, that's cool is the next security question was it any good no it was actually a nine inch nails concert that marilyn manson opened for but the first live act i ever saw was marilyn manson in a giant in a giant arena yeah in champaign urbana illinois the nine inch Nails show was fine I don't think of that as a live act. No, I mean, you know, they probably were early on when it was just like thrashy shit in a tiny club with a bunch of people moshing, (laughs) right? But like, it's, I've always kind of felt about live music that it was not very good. Like, I know that's not a no, uh, I'm, super I'm right there with popular you. I opinion. I don't really. Uh, yeah, I don't I like agree. to go and. I mean, there are times there there are acts that are good live. Like they might be giants. Weirdly, is like a band that I've could listen to. Like I've listened to their albums thousands of times each, but I still like going and hearing them play live because the way that they mess up the songs when they play them live is interesting to me. <laughs> it kind of makes them new songs as opposed to no, they're just slight, just slight change in the phrasing. Yeah. Of this or yeah. the delays between words of the lyrics or whatever. And it's just enough to like mess me up, which is what typically happens. Yeah. Or I, here's a song I, I don't know. That's. And just the, the production on a studio album is always so much better. And the acoustics and sound quality in a place you go to hear a live band is usually terrible. Yeah. You hardly ever get some stranger giving you marijuana at your house. Though <laughs> it is true, depends where you live. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good. 
Do we do we know what caused that beep? Are we still talking to Kevin and Riff? Yeah. Uh, it sounded like a test of the emergency broadcast system that came through our earphones. Huh. Hmm. This is terrible, guys. The te- you know you know what sucks. <laughs> We've talked about this before, I think. But if you if I were talking to my twelve year old self, there are a lot of things that I could describe about the way that technology is now that would just blow my mind. Like if I described World of Warcraft to myself as a child, and I know Kevin, you've mm-hmm. said this about yourself too, you would think the, the future is going to be fucking amazing. And then if you said, but 12-year-old Zach, you know how when you pick up the phone and call somebody, it works and they sound pretty good? I would say, yes. How much better is that going to be? And I'll say, hold on. It's going to be way, 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 way fucking worse. It is going to be virtually impossible to call someone on the telephone for a sustained period of longer than about 10 minutes. And for that nine minutes, it's going to sound like shit the entire time. Here's a question. Maybe you have called yourself in the past tell yourself that but the phones from the future have gotten so bad that yeah i called was, myself was from far enough in the future broadcast system. <laughs> oh maybe that's what that was oh, like yes. you need to go further you need to go further also i don't know why i, I mean why would that 12 year old version of me care it's like what am i gonna do like oh i'll I, i'll become a phone engineer and try to prevent that from happening but then it would, it would just create a paradox maybe you, you, you fork maybe, the timeline maybe you're future self like your 80 year old self is calling you today but keeps calling from a fucking 480 area code <laughs> oh yeah just not yeah in the future up. phone numbers are randomized <laughs> yeah wow hmm. riff have you done anything interesting in the in the last week or so um not really i i mean work <laughs> work is interesting yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we all do now. Yeah. This is the rest of the podcast is now like Jim was for the previous year or yeah. so. <laughs> Shipping a video game. I've been tweeting about it. Yeah. Trying to get that buzz going. Getting getting some buzz, getting some buzz marketing yeah. going viral. Yeah. yeah. We got some, we're getting press trickling in from PAX East in a weird time delayed way. I've seen Pretty, two movies uh, since the last time we recorded an episode. Hey. What'd you see? What, uh, were, the, what were the movies? Uh, one of them last night I watched uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I had intended to see while it was in theaters, and it was really good, I, I thought. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, it, me too. It's got, a real, it's got a real series of twists. Mm-hmm. And, like, actually kind of clever. Like, it, you know, I, I recommend it. I can't talk much about it without spoiling the clever double, clever double twist. There's two double clever twists, I would say. Uh, and then I also watched um, Boyhood, the Richard Linklater movie that was oh. filmed over the course of 15 years or whatever, uh, which I had never seen before. And I, something that I've learned in the last couple of years, I so I tried to watch, like Amelia wanted to watch Before Sunrise, mm-hmm. which I had never seen any of the movies in that series. Is that the first one? Yeah. Okay. And man, I just hated it like it was it was just actively unpleasant to it like two actors that i like it was just unpleasant watching them be a richard linklater surrogate like at each other is that that movie was made like super tasters which is just like let's have some actors bullshit for a few hours and then edit it down to the good parts i mean i guess maybe that's what they 
feel like about things rather than them being or unless it, Richard Linklater edited it down to the good parts, which is to say just the parts that he agreed with or could empathize <laughs> right, with. Yeah. I so Richard Linklater movies I think I either just really love them or really don't like them at all. I, I can't think of a Richard Linklater movie that I've seen where I was like, eh, that's okay. What, what, what else what, is he Richard done? Richard Linklater movie do you like? Uh, so the ones that, the ones that I absolutely love are Dazed and Confused, which is just one of my probably top five movies of all time. And then the, the follow up to it, uh, Everybody Wants Some that came out last year it was like surprisingly really good. Um, I don't know that was surprising. Boyhood, really, really good. There's a weird gamble, right? Because you're you're gambling that like all of the actors are gonna live for the amount of time that it takes. Right. Uh, it was like oh, really interesting to like watch people's weight fluctuate over years. Like, was it interesting to watch them get better at acting as they grew up? <laughs> I don't know. It, the, there, there was a real risk in like casting like a seven year old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, just betting that he was going to grow into an okay actor. And I guess he did. I mean, it was fine. Like you never, he never gets to be like, I don't know. There's a, like, there just wasn't really anything bad about it. It was, I remember hearing about it and thinking, Oh, that's interesting. But I also, just fully thought it was a documentary. Like I did not know that it was a fictional movie, mm. did they all, shoot the which is why I kind of had out of order, like a normal movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to make it more um, complicated. <laughs> they they do flashbacks, so they have to put like baby makeup on. <laughs> That's interesting that you liked it because uh, the red letter media guys super hated it. So I I haven't seen it myself yet, but that's like two opposing viewpoints I've heard. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't always agree with those guys. Was it scripted or was it uh, was it also just improvised like a lot of Winkler stuff? The which was? Most of his movies are improvised. <clears throat> like Matthew McConaughey's uh, classic lines from Dazed and Confused. Man, Days of Confused is good. I just watched it again recently. I want to watch it again right now. I kind of just always want it playing. <laughs> if you weren't using somewhere, your phone somewhere in my the, field uh, of vision, for the call, you could just play yeah, it on your phone. yeah. That's definitely your move. Don't you have like Fight Club on your phone forever? I do. I have like a dozen movies on my phone to watch. Whatever. <laughs> I did. I had one for years, and it was Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> um, because every once in a while, I would need to show somebody a scene from Freddy Got Fingered, and before YouTube was sort of universally a different scene accessible. each time, or yeah, well, because if I would, th- something would happen that would remind me of a scene from Freddy Got Fingered, and then I would have to, uh, yeah, you know, then I just have to keep playing it in my head over and over again until I watch it, like Cartman with that Sticks song. What have you been up to, Jim? Uh, so I went to uh, Hype O'Clock Game Dev and Tea Time. On Saturday, and uh, a friend of mine. What's up? I saw pictures of you on the internet doing that. Oh yeah, I I posed. Yep. I posed, and then like apparently the the Ben who took the photo told me that I was not available for tagging, so I'm not tagged in that photo. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a downside of uh, always setting the most stringent possible privacy settings. Um, a friend of mine had brought uh a device. That I don't remember the name of, but it was basically like a, a small, like a, but it was like a smaller than a, a, you know, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, but still like about that size, um, LCD screen that you could write on with a stylus. Um, 
and it was as far as I can tell, it wasn't powered, but it had a button to clear it. Yeah, it's got. And a, we it's spent got a, it's like a ten-year battery. Okay. Yeah, Kevin, were you with me when yep. I feel like we saw a small one of these things, and someone was just marveling at it, and I couldn't remember if it was you or it was, it was Damien. Who's right, Marshall, right. Marshall okay, there. our friend Marshall had one at PAX at dinner one day, and MC Frontalot was freaking out about it. Yeah. He'll probably write an ode to it. <laughs> How does that thing even work? I, yeah, that was my Damien impression. We were actually trying to figure that out. Like, I, it, I feel like it. I, I don't get the sense that the stylus is actually like being read by software. I think it's actually like a physical the, response. The pressure is making a physical change to the state of the display. How does an etch a sketch work? That's a really good question. You so it's, you it coats it like the screen static? with like golden dust, and then does the stylus inside just scratch the stuff yeah. off, and then yeah, shaking so, yeah. it causes yeah. the to, to like redust? Yeah. Okay. So there's that's, also that's like where a the phrase from, from dust to dust right. comes, comes from. <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. What about so? Does one of did early did early versions of the Etch a Sketch were they filled with ashes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also uh, early Ash, ashes uh, sketch. <laughs> early early funerals, you would turn the coffin upside down and shake it in the <laughs> it. in the hopes that the guy would come back to life. <laughs> Did you come to any conclusions? Uh, no, but uh, we also discovered that on the packaging it talks about um, there being a, a phone app you can download that that um, it's called the Sync app S Y N C that will store your um, it's an official app for this this device um, and it is a um, an app that will store the image you have drawn on it. And I downloaded this just to see what it was like, and it had a, a average review of one point eight stars. So I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this screen, to be bullshit. Right? Yeah, that was exactly what happened. Like I, I loaded up the app and I said, okay, sync to, to the uh, to the tablet or whatever it's called, and it it just popped up a camera. Yeah. And had me take a photo of the screen. It's not quite as bullshit as it sounds because there are um, four blue dots on the corners of the um, of the device that it uses to transform the uh, photograph to be flat. Um, okay. And then uh, it will do like edge detection to turn it into a monochrome image. Um, but I, I was I was really delighted by how delightfully simple that that solution was. I had an app like that that was for whiteboard capture that just never produced anything that was more legible than just a photograph of a whiteboard. So I just quit using it. W was it trying to do like edge detection? Yeah, yeah. It, it. I think it actually tried to like, and this That's never smart. worked correctly because my whiteboards were always just like a sheet of melamine nailed to the wall. Mm. So it didn't have a, it didn't have a frame for it to to oh. correct for skew and whatever. But yeah, I tried to do edge detection and it just always ended up making it less. Was there like a glare problem? Partially, yeah. Like the edge detection would look worse where there was glare, which the glare was never bad enough to stop you from just reading it in a photograph. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a glare problem with this one. And like, now that I think about it, um, I would I kept trying to take captures and it would keep giving me the same result back and I'm wondering if like it was trying to do... Um, like if you take a photo from multiple angles, it'll correct them all into one glare free image, um, mm. which would be a neat trick. Um, but 
the only way oh, I could huh. take a new capture was to close the app and open it again. So interface problems. You know, you could just uh, use only use whiteboards in the dark, and then you don't have a glare problem. That's true. Yeah, use uh, glow in the dark ink. Hmm. Man, a glow in the dark dry erase marker be pretty good. Yeah. There has to be a light bulb in the marker to uh, to, to charge the it. ink. It could just be the markers could be transparent. Actually, wait. If you're but just if you're, if you're, you're using it in the dark, if you're using you, it in the dark, you, you don't need actually to, need a whiteboard. You just have like a like a very small pen light or a laser laser pointer or whatever, and you point it at the camera, and you just write in the air, and you leave the shutter. Oh yeah. Open, and you just write directly on the CCD. Oh right, like drawing a dick with a sparkler on the Fourth of July. Exactly. <laughs> My persistence of vision was never that good, but the people whose were saw the dicks I drew. I guess nice. <laughs> but it's a flower. Oh right, right. Because your grandma asks what that is. She right. doesn't know. Yeah. Um, did I tell you guys about the? I don't know why my mom thought that I would appreciate this but the, as her and her sister were going through my grandma's stuff after she died she found this this halloween ornament which was like just a just a glass like a like a ceramic frog you know like the th- things that people used to make in ceramics classes that they would take in the in the 80s so this frog that was just painted to look like a normal green kind of cartoony frog but on the bottom was just a giant cock and balls like <laughs> Huh. As part of the design of the thing that was then just painted like flesh tone, like human <laughs> so flesh it tone. So it was like a three D cock and balls. Yeah, yeah. It was. Wow. It was sort of embossed, but yeah. Okay. I, That's pretty funny. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a it's a weird artistic choice. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's weird to like. Why did Grandma keep that? It was in like a bag. <laughs> I don't think it ever got hung I mean, on the Christmas tree because it's like people have thought penises are funny for for millennia. Yeah, it just seems like a weird. Did taste you say thing at the beginning of this story? Did you say Christmas ornament or did you say Halloween ornament? I said a Christmas ornament. Wow, well, my I brain, meant a Christmas my ornament. brain heard Halloween. That's weird. <clears throat> also, there's no such thing as a Halloween ornament. Right, I was going to call you out on that, but then I was like, that doesn't make any sense, and and then I, yeah, I, I don't know. This Halloween ornament, this Halloween ornament, this Halloween ornament. Are you having that trouble, that joke about octal, octal 31 is the same as decimal, decimal 25? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Octal 31 equals decimal 25. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. I had it backwards. Um, See, I have I have reversed the two in my head. Something, something is going on. Well, has anyone played any video games? Uh, I play a couple. Now that we're at the ninety-nine fifty-nine mark, what'd you play, Riff? <laughs> Played a couple of uh, iOS games. Let me look at the thing here and just see what they're called. Um, played a bit of uh, Cosmic Express. Have we talked about yeah, that? Yeah, I've been. Oh yeah, me too. I've been playing that a bunch. Me too. It gets hard, man. It, it's um, iOS game. Uh, you, it's like one of those. What was that other train game? Um, Mini Metro Rail Yards. Rail Yards. Yeah, I think that's train train yard. Train yard. Yeah. Train yard. You... Minecraft by Matt by Matt Ricks. <laughs> that's another. That's another really good one. Train yard by Matt Ricks. The Oregon Rail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're uh, you have to drag this sort of 
train track or subway track around the board to accommodate all the little aliens and get them to their stops. And it gets super difficult uh, and complex. Yeah, it's very constrained space. This is a game by Alan Hazelden, our our buddy who made A Good Snowman is Hard to Build and Boxes Love Boxing Gloves and Skipping Stones to Lonely Homes and you've got to be, you're pulling my leg. He's, yeah, he's those, are, those are all great puzzle script titles. Video games. Yeah. <laughs> Galactic Express was, was prototyped in puzzle script too, wasn't it? Uh, it was prototyped in puzzle script and then made into a very early prototype, uh, train jam game by, uh, Andrew Schultesey. <clears throat> uh, it was that actually had really good graphics, uh, and stuff for a train jam game. Uh, Oh, right, because they, they, they had, like, a full-time artist on it because of Train Jam. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, like, that was basically yeah, the first... Yeah, really cute. I think that was the first Unity game. Maybe not. Maybe he had already started working on A Good Snowman at that point. Uh, but... It was A Good Snowman yeah, I think also he, Unity? I think, he, I think he might have started uh, prototyping all of his games in PuzzleScript and then... Uh, <clears throat> And then just having a, a Unity engine built sort of on top of that same data, but I could be wrong. I don't know what the I don't know what the design space is like at this point. This game is not actually like meaningfully three D, is it? I guess the train looks three D. I don't yeah. think it's even rendered three D. I'm pretty it's sure like it's two D sprites. Yeah, the camera moves around a bit, and if you scroll around a bit, it like oh, does it? Changes. Yeah, when you like it. Zooms in and stuff, and zooms out when you solve levels. Sometimes, yeah. There's, there's, there is. A, they use it a tiny little bit, but you're right. It does. It does not generally use the 3D very much. I. So here's here's a question. This is a this is a thing that I think that Alan is philosophically not super into. But I think that I personally would like his games more if there were twice as many puzzles. Many a, of every single like one of which was just a rearrangement. This, this game. Every like, single one of which was just a rearrangement of a previous one with the same difficulty level, right? So that uh, somebody like uh, me, who is only going to be able to solve 20% of his puzzles, right, would just have more stuff to do, even though the puzzles would not be, strictly speaking, like unique <laughs> in a braid sense. I would just get to play more of the fun game and get the satisfaction of like taking the little dudes to their houses. You could write a um a program to generate puzzles yep. in this in um, probably any of his games and you could tune the difficulty probably with a little slider um i th- i think the uh, the approach he took for um a good snowman is hard to build was really good because i just bounced off like including this one this this game is way too hard for me to be interested in playing but i finished uh in air quotes a good snowman because the first ending like the baby ending is actually not that hard yep and then the apparently then like i the the rest of the game the 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 meta game the the meta puzzle that happens that you discover exists after you finish that game that's the one that's alan hazel and hard yeah i thought that was a really neat solution yep but it's also probably a lot more work than just designing one puzzle right yeah, because I mean that puts a weird constraint on how all of the all of the basic. Com- you helped with that a bunch, didn't you, Kevin? I mean, I I play tested stuff. Like, I, <clears throat> I don't know that I helped 
I, I don't know. I guess playtesting is helping. Uh, yeah, it counts. I mean, I, I feel just, like you you are you one on of his games page. You're one of his go to playtesters for stuff that are Alan Hazelden hard. Yeah, in his games, yeah. right? So that's I think you provide a valuable service to him. You should get hooked up with the uh, with the Steven Sausage Roll guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I would totally love to help him do anything. Uh, but he, uh, Stephen Lavelle, the guy who did Stephen Sausage Roll, made Puzzle Script, right? So uh, we've we've been in contact a little bit, but I've never playtested any of his games. Um, I helped Alan with the like. Does he take the like just three of, years to make a game? Yeah. Steven Sausage Roll was like four or five years in the making, I think, at least. Uh, what about English Country Tune? That I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it took that long to get the graphics so good on right. Steven Sausage Roll. <laughs> there, uh, there is definitely a second order thing going on in uh, Cosmic Express 2. Uh, oh. But it's not as extensive as it is in A Good Snowman in terms of okay. like using up the whole the whole possibility space a second time. This is a little different. I don't know I don't know if you've discovered anything, Riff, that had that indicates what that second order space is. I I haven't really. I've uh I've done all the puzzles in the first set. Island. Except okay. yeah, except for one so far. And that that one being apparently one of the most difficult puzzles in the game. So because oh, yeah? they yeah he he mentioned it on Twitter or somewhere that that uh what's it Andromeda 14 is like one of the hardest ones in the game because they're Greek because they're grouped by theme and not by difficulty right so. <clears throat> It's really good though Cosmic Express buy yeah, it on it's everything of, it's it's yeah. very it's real interesting it's a real workout I think it'll run on your Amazon Fire tablet. I I tested. Oh, yeah? uh, I don't know if it's for sale on that. Yeah, he had me. He had me install it on that just to see if it worked. I th- I think he was trying to figure out if it was a viable if like the thirty dollar tablets were viable for demoing the game on. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. <clears throat> I, kind really of, I wish for demoing West of Loathing. Yeah, I was gonna say I wish, no, I wish West it, of Loathing had not looked like ass on that tablet it just looks terrible at that that's the that's one of the, of the like fire the problems right oh is, just the, the the literal screen resolution yeah yeah it's it's a weird non-standard resolution and things degrade badly um mm. like text becomes very difficult to read on the kindle no but this is this yeah. is one of the reasons that like people who come up to us and are like you're gonna port it to android right and i'm like well yes but it, it is so much more complicated to do Android than it is iOS because the possibility space is so vast and you don't want to, like, put it out and have it look terrible for people, you know? Right. Because best case scenario, you're going to make no money. <laughs> and so it's... Yeah. Sorry, Linux and Android people. Someday. Someday it'll be the year of Android on the desktop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've seen that Kickstarter. Um, I mean, Ouya was. A... I guess so. Yeah, that's. It, it's never going to be the year of Ouya. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, play anything else, Riff? Uh, yeah. What's your other? Is the other one Type Shift? Is the other iOS game that you've been playing Type Shift? Nope, different one. Uh, the other one I've been playing Ooh. is called Pan Pan. 
which is a what's uh, that it's a weird little adventure game um the art style kind of looks like monument valley although i don't think i don't think it's by the same people um it's a sort of open world what is the front half of two pandas no, nope, uh, I don't know why it's called Pan Pan. I guess just the. Okay. I guess that's a coincidence. Um, the your character is a little uh, uh, astronaut lady who has crashed on a strange planet and then woken up to discover that the natives have repurposed all the parts of her ship to run stuff all across the well. When I say all across the world, that implies a much larger space. I guess all across this island that you're on. But uh, and you're walking around trying to figure out the the puzzly machines that these people have made and operate them so that you can get the bits of your ship back. It's sort of a open world explorey uh, order of operations puzzles kind of thing. It's cute. It's fun. That was sort of secretly the premise of the Flintstones, right? Like that gazoo crashed a spaceship made of dinosaurs into bedrock and then the people of bedrock repurposed all the dinosaurs into like cameras and dishwashers yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> I, cranes and that stuff makes sense. Yeah. sure yeah he must have had a lot of dinosaurs in that ship well the ship was made of dinosaurs like he was also using right, the he's dinosaurs a tiny little guy <laughs> he, he doesn't need a big ship hmm. well, there were a lot of him you don't see any of the others because they all died in the crash. <laughs> That's part of why he's such an asshole. Oh, oh he's, he's <laughs> Great Gazoo is like his race. That's not just his personal name. I see. He's yeah, the last legion. Great Gazoo. <laughs> um, our last best Gazoo. <laughs> Man, if he's the best that race has to offer, good riddance to them. I say. Um, what have you played have any of you guys been playing type shift no I don't think I know what that is although I feel like I've heard it's Zach Gage's new game that just came out like last week and it's real good it reminds me a lot of of the game uh, Starship Lexicon which uh, our friend Josh made a couple years ago Um, the guy who uh, we ended up working with as the programmer on uh, the master swords the kids version of word realms that we made but uh it you get some columns of letters and you're just making words out of the letters in the columns and there's two kinds of puzzles one of them is like just make words out of these letters until you've used them all and then there's one that's sort of like a crossword where there are clues to letters or clues to words that are hidden in the puzzle and once you you make one of those words and tap on the clue it marks that clue as done and then if the letter if any letter is no longer used for any clue that you haven't solved yet it like blanks that letter out so it narrows the possibility space for solving the rest of them it's really really good um there's a bunch of it available for free and you can buy puzzle packs but i it's like it's just been the thing that i like have been like popping open as i'm going to sleep and just doing a couple word puzzles before i go to sleep is Um, that the one that was it you that was complaining on in slack about crossword puzzle clues that don't fit the usual yeah well it was somebody i forget who maybe quine uh, one of the one of the people in the video games hot dogs like it does do a little thing where it's the clues are not exactly cryptic clues 
they're not even a little bit cryptic clues, but sometimes because they're sort of bad clues, they end up being like cryptic clues. Mm. Um, and they also don't it. So I didn't know about this rule of crossword puzzle clues until like a year ago, but it, it ignores the rule that the word always has to be the same part of speech as the clue. Right. So it makes it difficult to like, if you know about that rule, it really bothers you that this doesn't follow it. Right. Because that rule is really helpful in determining the possible set of answers to a thing. And this one just like ignores it in a way that feels like a mistake. Does it ever but they're all written the by different in the clue. Like that's another rule that doesn't seem obvious, but it does not ever use the word in the clue. Um, or a form of the word. The but but the, there these these clue puzzles are just sets of puzzles that are made by different authors. So it's it's like mm. entirely possible that the people who wrote the the ones that were given away for free did this but some of the others don't they're they're like weirdly variable in difficulty and quality too but i don't know we should pitch uh we should pitch a set kevin okay have you played it i have not i i wasn't really aware that it was out everybody's everybody's talking about it everybody's talking about it everywhere i I don't know been I, d- out of out of the uh, the mainstream uh, of communication in my my little hole yep. over here. Yeah, staying off Twitter, you don't learn anything about anything. It's true. Twitter's a great way to get all your news. Um, what have you played, Kevin? If not Type Shift, uh, mostly just Cosmic Express. I have uh, it's. I've only been really playing stuff in bed, so like fortune cookies. <clears throat> so you've been opening a lot of fortune cookies. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, uh, I played a little bit of Battle of Polytopia, the uh, game you guys recommended. Uh, oh yeah, and it was pretty fun. I I started off playing the like endless mode, which maybe I shouldn't have because uh, that just goes on. Oh so like, yeah, it no. Goes on forever and ever. Uh, maybe I should have played the like the shorter game, but I was enjoying it. I was enjoying like learning about possible tech trees and like how to actually explore the world this is a game that we talked I played and talked about on video games hot dog when it had a different name okay I think it might have been called tiny civilizations Uh, but it was like some name change presumably to avoid conflict with Civ Sid Meier Sid Meier showed up in his pirate schooner and pointed <laughs> all of his cannons at <laughs> these guys. Um, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun little like it's a Civ game. It didn't even have the endless mode when it launched. It was like this is a game of Civ that there are only thirty turns, nice. so it can only spiral out to the level of complexity that you can get to in thirty turns. Some of those like uh, it's, oh, man, that would help civilization like, so much. I don't think you're meant to be able to get all of them. I see. Certainly. I mean, because they, I think that there are just a lot of like all of the different ends of where your different play styles can get you are rewarded in some way. And like, they're more or less the same thing. Like the thing that you can build if you like are a pacifist for X turns 
is the same benefit to you as the thing that you can build if you like wipe out two other civs or whatever. Like the they're all just like a thing that improves whatever city you build them near. They're they're just all sort of wonders. Do you think tiny civilizations had small wonders? Like that little robot girl? Yeah, that's what I meant. And uh, whose brother was Marilyn Manson. <laughs> no, that's Billy Corgan that was supposed to be. People said that Paul from The Wonder Years. Right, yeah. Not the small Wonder Years. <laughs> was was Marilyn Manson, oh, but he wasn't. And people years. said that Billy Corgan was the younger brother on Small Wonder, but he wasn't. Okay. So. Is this like it just rumors based on this guy kind of looks like yep. this guy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and pre being pre internet. Right. You, you know, can't, you can't I mean, verify things. There's sort of there are things of the of the category of like Mikey from the Life Serial commercial died from drinking Pepsi and eating Pop Rocks. Right. Yeah. Liked it. Yeah, he did. He liked both of them. He he liked dying. Give it to Mikey. He'll eat anything and drink anything at the same time. There's definitely like a a some of the mystery. Well, this is something I talk about all the time. But like, it, there is definitely some a power that we have now that is just the ability to like invalidate. Uh, urban legends by like searching YouTube for, for example, instances of cow tipping and there's nothing. And so like, oh, clearly, uh, cow tipping mm -hmm. must be bullshit. Uh, which is an interesting example of like, um, absence of evidence being evidence of absence. I feel like in like, so like in, in an evidence rich environment, absence of evidence is evidence of absence. Do you think more people understand that cow tipping is not a real thing now than understood that in the 90s? I I wonder. Well, I, I I just don't mean, think people talk about it now. Yeah. Like I think it's a it's a thing that people don't care about. Although that could be just that I don't hang out with 12-year-olds anymore. I feel like people are no more or less like immune to reason and evidence as they are. Cause I mean, you, you could also say like, yeah, no way in with the abundance of evidence that we have at our fingertips in 2017, would people be more likely to believe that vaccination causes autism now than they were in the, in the seventies when everybody, you know, I don't think anybody ever got as invested in cow tipping as people got in <laughs> vaccine denial. It just, I don't know that, I don't know that I believe that an abundance of evidence actually achieves anything. Cause I think that people, the kind of people who are going to believe, the, the kind of people who could reason through cow tipping is not a thing based on you not being able to find any videos of it are the same people that, no thanks, random Phoenix number. She just uh, put, put the, the are the same people that, in that knew in the nineties that it wasn't real because it didn't make any sense. And like you could just talk to people and, they, they, you know, no one knew anyone who'd ever done it. Well, right. no one knew anyone where I lived because there were no cows around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess this is one thing where living in a rural environment made or me like know more about the world. Living where the Wonder Gears was filmed. Right. I guess you would know you because you went to high school with live Paul. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. People believe all kinds of things. It's true. There are just like, I mean, 
you know, vaccines causing autism, it's like a sticky story because it's like, well, some things that I, some things that I don't understand are scary. Okay. That means they're connected. Like, well, and it's yeah, also true. like you start noticing signs of autism around the same time your kids would get vaccinated, right? So like, yep. The, yep. I can I can totally yeah. see how like the correlation of those two things could could become causation in your mind. Well, and and there was I mean it turned out to be falsified, but there actually were studies to that effect. Like, yeah. So there at least at first seemed to be evidence. And I I, I do doubt that it would have gotten started without that. I don't know. They're definitely getting ground. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of fake news out so I, there at this point, right? So. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Pizzagate had, <laughs> oh had that had that sort of that, flavor to it because it was like, wow, that's a, that's just, I mean, like. What a. Fuck yeah! Just just Google PizzaGate. I don't think any of us can like do it justice. Yeah, listen to the listen to the. There is a a not ninety nine percent invisible, it's but a reply, reply all, all yeah. about PizzaGate that, yeah. that does a great job of it. Um, but I mean, so there's like it's got the classic like the sort of like Salem witch trial thing where it's like, oh, this is also a thing that gives old men boners. Yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, not PizzaGate necessarily, but like, you know, I don't know. A lot of like moral panics are sort of like have that titillation yeah, angle absolutely. that I mean the, the, the vaccines causing autism doesn't but nothing nothing titillating about either of those things speak for yourself <laughs> yeah I, I was <laughs> okay all right um, what about uh, what about you Jim what did you play as a video game uh, I played a, so in addition to Cosmic Express I played a game called Snap Attack which is a follow up to Wordament no. Um, and it takes the, the wordament structure of like you are making a bunch of words in two minutes and then you get scored against everybody else in the world who's playing this game. Um, and it gives it a, uh, a more Scrabble-like um, structure. So you are given a, um, a bunch of words that are already on the grid and then you're given seven letters and you're trying to make um, uh, connected words with those letters. Hmm. Um, in the amount of time you have. So, like, sp- it, it, speed really feels like it's, like, dexterity feels like it's a lot more of a factor here than it was in, in Wordament, where, like, you have to place uh, the letters in specific places, and it it's, the the, gr- the grid is smaller, so it feels like it's a lot easier to fuck up. Um, and you're really highly rewarded by making, like, um, uh, crossed words that use all your letters um, and also, um, you are rewarded not directly by the rules, but just by uh, virtue of the way the scoring system works by making um, uh, clusters that can be easily rearranged into r- other clusters. So um, if you can like drag a letter from one place to another place and make a different set of words, you get basically twice the score because right. you get... Uh, points for each unique set of words that you make, and presumably the same thing with like a word, and then it's plural if you have an S yep. in your tile set. Yeah, that sounds way more up my alley. I also tried Wordament after after you talked about it last week, and boy, am I fucking terrible at that. <laughs> I remember, uh, I forget who it was. It was some it was some dude that made word games that we were talking to at an indie kid who had like his theory was that 
the word game audience is basically broken into people who like Boggle and people who like Scrabble. And oh. anything that doesn't play off of one of those two core mechanics is unlikely to find a significant player base. Yeah. Um, and Scrabble, like, is not is not timed, I don't think. Right. Like, and, and Scrabble, like, rewards finding one really good word, whereas Boggle rewards finding every single word. Yeah. And although eventually Scrabble rewards, like, bullshit rules lawyery defensive play that is right. no fun at all right, right. if you design a game based on scrabble you could not have that yeah part. yeah exactly although it's hard to dis- like it's hard to build a game based on scrabble like that takes place on a board like scrabble i mean it's hard to make a scrabble clone that doesn't have all of the same problems that scrabble right, right, has right. i guess um and there's definitely and at a high level snap attack play there are clearly people who are doing things like they just know all the possible two-letter words and are making a bunch of combinations that way, which is not something I'm interested in getting good at. Yeah. You don't want that za. <laughs> it's short for pizza, Jim. Right. No, that's, is, is that actually in the, the Scrabble dictionary? I don't yes, know if it is. it is or not. It is it? Yeah. Garbage. I feel like I knew all the two-letter words when... I was playing a ton of words with friends or uh, word feud, whatever the non-Zynga one was that some people defected to. Hashtag delete Uber. (laughs) (laughs) And you played more Breath of the Wild. I played more Breath of the Wild. Are you going to talk about – you haven't gone yet, right, Zach? Right. Are you going to talk about anything with Breath of the Wild? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Let's do it with Breath of the Wild last then just to – Oh, okay. Uh, I I finished uh, the new Torment game. Um, which I continued to enjoy the whole time. And it's got its, it's got its flaws. Uh, the combat's not great. And so the, the few times that you end up in a forced combat, it can be a little goofy. Um, you know, I felt like it remained pretty compelling the entire time. I think I, my playthrough was like 18 or 19 hours of playtime. I'm, I'm surprised there was any was, forced combat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing that I really wanted to be true of Planescape Torment back in the day was that you be able to avoid combat on purpose. I, I thought if I had you read that that was... You, oh, it's possible, but, okay. like, from any given game state, it I isn't see. always possible to avoid combat. Like, you can get yourself down a conversational branch that there's no way out of without starting a fight, and... I don't know. That's a that's a thing that I then very specifically like in building West of Loathing. I was like, you know, I don't want to do that thing that annoys me when other people do it. So there's just literally always a way to not start a fight. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just jumping right to the node that you would get if you started the fight and then lost it. But like you at least did not have to have a fight if you didn't want to. Like I feel like a pacifist playthrough of a game. There are like get just letting somebody kick your ass is a fine way of being a pacifist. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. I mean, that's really the it's really the test of your convictions in pacifism. Um, but yeah, there are so the the thing about the the combat in the Numenera game is that it's not necessarily it, there's there's a weird kind of lack of difference between being in combat and not being in combat because it's it all takes place on the same map and so a lot of the times a fight will start well what it will say is a crisis is initiated Hmm. and there are non-lethal ways to handle it but you're still 
like moving your dudes around on a grid according to their movement points that they have or whatever. But like there's a thing on the battlefield that you can interact with that that renders the enemies around it tame or there's like a guy you can go talk to and if you can fight through his goons and get to him and pass a speech check the fight can resolve peacefully but it still winds up in the combat system which the combat system just is not great in in it it's it's like an enforced turn-based modality of the the pillars of eternity engine it I, I don't know why I keep realizing and then forgetting and then realizing again and being blown away by the the new infinity engine is the eternity engine. Oh, huh. But it's, um, you know, it's definitely like a game that was made for uh, like $400,000, you know, which is to say, like, if it's going to be a sprawling RPG, there are going to be sort of polish and quality compromises to be made if the game is going to be that scope of game with that budget. Yeah. Um, and do you think you would have preferred if it were a twine game? No, because I like, I like collecting items and inventory Tetris and selecting a loadout and stuff. Even if all I want that loadout to do is interact with puzzles out in the world or increasing my stats for passing speech checks or whatever. Um, you know, so, so to me it needs also it's, and it's weird because this game looks like a game from the nineties. Like it's just got pre-rendered backgrounds Mm. like that you're moving around, which is just how the, you know, how that engine works. Uh, and it's, the art choices are very informed by early infinity engine games. Like they just sort of look like that, even in, in like, in like, in like sort of, sort of, of like they seem like they don't use all the colors that they could be using. Huh. Um, I don't know if that's exactly deliberate or if there's just some like, you know, shader that's being applied to like make this look old, but I know a lot of people complained about that. A lot of people complained about, uh, a lot of things about this game and it just reminds me of it reminds me of how much better video games were when everyone wasn't a critic because <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I've been playing a ton of is Mass Effect Andromeda which is like it's a Mass Effect game and the things that people are like being shitheads about on the internet are not things that have any impact at all on what I enjoy about a Mass Effect game. So how did women ruin the game for you, Zach? Uh, probably, I don't know, probably by having so many female characters in it just as <laughs> virtue signaling tokenism. Right. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure really who to blame. Uh, probably minorities and, and women is who I'll blame. No, it's uh, like, so I get why it was so easy to post like snarky buggy gifs uh, you know snarky buggy (laughs) gifs um rubber baby buggy all the the character models have eyelashes like there's maybe like four quads per eyelid top and bottom of eyelash and they're not connected to the eyelids really and so a lot of time 
like a close up screenshot is like, well, uh, th- this person looks real weird because their eyelashes aren't connected to their eyelid correctly. And that's a problem you could have solved by just not having eyelashes for damn sure. One tweet I saw was someone who fixed that by painting over it in Photoshop as if that proved anything. <laughs> it's, um, I did have one sort of funny bug where there was a conversation that was happening while the my party was standing around this like holographic interface that was putting a bunch of uh, uh, like stars and planets and galaxies and stuff like floating around in the environment that the characters are talking in and the main character there was like a star being rendered right inside where his <laughs> mouth was so just every time he opened his mouth it was just this like bright blue glow coming off of his tongue like you know <laughs> that's inc- incredible that, that's a yeah, good bug like it's <laughs> i there's a lot of like you'll be running around like having a firefight and like your people will just kind of randomly teleport around and stuff i mean like it's i could definitely see somebody pointing at that and saying like ah lazy devs this is just indicative of this being bullshit but it's like you know, again, it's a huge game, clearly got rushed out the door a little bit, and these are things that they would have polished out, but I there was a there was a sort of a mission where you have to go into this prison camp and there's some people that you can let out, and if you let them out, they start fighting on your side. And I was low on health after letting a bunch of these guys out. And so I like ran back to the car that you have to see if I could like, oh, let's see if I can like hide in the car and get the health regen to kick in again. And while I was sitting in the car, it was just perpetually respawning the guys that I had released from the cells. Like one of them would just pop into existence right outside the door of the car and then run off towards the battlefield. And then another one would pop into existence and run off towards the battlefield. I don't know if they were despawning at some point when they like went around behind a rock where I couldn't see them or whatever over there. Yeah, because I mean, there wasn't I went back and there was not like the pile of blue tentacle head dude corpses that I was hoping to see but it there are a lot of things about this game that if you took just those things you could describe this game as a real fucking mess but it's also a new Mass Effect game and so you kind of go to space and shoot guys and like open a bunch of containers with stuff in them and how's the how's the conversation scan planets and stuff it's you know it's fine yeah you know, it just does that. It does the stupid wheel where it's like, what kind of tone do you want to take? And sometimes you have options and sometimes you don't. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's a Bioware game. Like, yeah. it's just going to be what it is. And it's like, if you like this, you'll like it. Like, if you're the kind of person who got real pissed about the ending of Mass Effect 3, you're probably going to get real pissed about the facial animations in this game. And here, here's what I think. I think that's the kind of person that just doesn't like Mass Effect games. <laughs> I, I That seems uncharitable to me, but I never played Mass Effect 3, so I don't know. I mean, did you hate Mass Effect 2? No, I enjoyed Mass Effect 2, but I also like didn't enjoy it enough to play yeah, 3. that's about mm. where I am. I did. I, I bounced off of the first one a couple times just because I thought the UI was pretty terrible. And it wasn't like it was too just the the basics of playing that game were too frustrating to get me into it. The dumbing down they did that everybody was so pissed off about for Mass Effect 2 was like, all right, now this is dumb enough that I can that's, play it. That's what it needs to be a mass market video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I imagine there are definitely things that you could describe about Mass Effect 1 that I would say, oh, yeah, that sounds more like my kind of game. But I remember people talking about how dumb the like moving around the map was in Mass Effect 2. And I remember thinking, wow, compared to Mass Effect 1, I have any fucking idea what's going on in moving around. Because the, there's like a tiny little spaceship that represents where you are when you're moving around the map in Mass Effect 2. And in Mass Effect 1... There was no differentiator between looking at a place and being at a place that I could understand. Huh. And so I just didn't really have any idea. Like the the map was just like a weird like diegetic menu system that I felt that they dramatically improved on in the later ones. There's a lot of kind of wasted time. The space travel part of Mass Effect 3, you kind of move around in these systems and you're back to just looking down on them. But it's sort of in it's like the way that it solves the Mass Effect 1 problem is by, oh, this is just like a first person view out the windshield of your spaceship. So, all right, here we are in this part of the system. Now we're going to move from this one to another one. But you have to wait for like a big cutscene every time you go from anywhere to anywhere. It's not really a cutscene because it's just flying through a 3D space that's like pretty and all starfields and stuff. But it's still like just takes a really long time to get from place to place, which discourages the kind of exploration that I feel like is one of the things that makes this kind of thing good. That This doesn't really apply, but that reminds me of... um Rami Ismail gave a talk at GDC, uh, which talked about um, specifically um, Nuclear Throne and its re relation to streaming. So he talks about both streaming development of it and also tuning the game to be good for streaming, for streamers to play. And one of the things he talked about was that if your game doesn't have downtime where, like, the, the player isn't concentrating so much on gameplay that they can't talk to their audience... Uh, that it's not going to be a good streaming game. And so he talked about, like, adding moments where nothing was really happening in the UI. Um, so that specifically to make it a better game for streaming, which I thought was a really weird decision to make. But interesting. It definitely sounds like... I don't mean to be like uncharitable about the guy, but I feel like a lot of a lot of what Rami does is apply a lot of hindsight to very charismatically explaining what the rules are now <laughs> and creating a sort of weird dogma that you can count on a lot of other people following because it just becomes like I, like. At some point, it was just like, well, if you're an independent developer, you need to dedicate 30% of your time to marketing. And I know you don't want that because you're an artist or whatever, but you have to do it. It is the only way to do the job. It's part of the job. So get used to it and fucking do it. And like, you know, no, you don't really like. Well, it's a die roll either way. Yeah. So and it, like this 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 dogma that you have to do stuff that makes you miserable if you want to have any chance of succeeding is like not it's like even if you pointed to a hundred percent of the things that happened in the last six months of this subsection of the industry and they all happen to turn out the way that supports this conclusion it's like 
part of your whole deal is that this shit is changing too fast for anybody to really be able to predict what's going to happen. And so, like, I don't know. I get I get frustrated with the 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 style of like sort of GDC talk or think piece or whatever that's like, well, this is how the world is based on evidence. So this is what you got to do moving forward. Like, I feel like there's a way to observe those things without like kind of trying to self reinforce. I thought this talk was a lot more like this was our experience. Sure. Sure. Not, not saying this one. I mean, like to, to just look back at what you've done and conclude things. That's totally reasonable and totally fine. But I feel like maybe, you know, maybe it's not his fault that so many people listen to him and say, Oh, well, this is clearly just what everyone needs to do all the time. Right now. On the other hand, I also think marketing is always going to be important. Like, I don't think that's going away. Yeah. Sadly. Do you want to talk about Breath of the Wild? Did you have to spend a lot of time thinking about marketing for... Arguably, for like... And Grove? Arguably, like, the the way I handled the Kickstarter and the whole ARG, all that stuff was marketing. A lot, of, a lot of time. Right. But it was... I, it was, I spent a fucking lot of time on all that stuff, yes. And but, it was, but it wasn't marketing in the sense that you think of marketing, right? Because it was producing an experience that was good that right. also served the same purposes as marketing. Right, and I did that on purpose uh, so that I wouldn't have to do traditional marketing, which I think is horrible. But I, I think traditional um, marketing is also and, tricky as well because, like, once – like, if you can do something that's new and interesting, that generates a lot of, like, excitement. If you do something that everybody else has already done, it's not it's not that useful, right? So, <clears throat> doing something new and different is great anyway. Yeah. In terms of marketing, effort. yeah, yeah, and I, I, I feel like yeah, having having some sort of edge where people just want to talk about your thing because it's weird in some way is really important, or it's just a, a good human interest story. Like I think what was so. What, what people were talking about in the case of Glittermitten Grove was that it was just so audacious to not announce the game. Right. Um, effectively marketing by refusing to market and like, but, but also by like, like announcing and broadcasting, I am not going to market this game was, uh, like arguably hypocritical because the real way to do that is not uh, literally to not announce it. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, but no one, no one expected you to do that. Right. I mean, you, cause you, they understand that you live in the real world and in the real world, hot pockets cost money. <laughs> right. Right. It, I, I, just, I just need to stop eating hot pockets and that'll be fine. That whole thing reminds me of our patreon experience where we spent a year not having a patreon because you just do the core of a patreon is having a real good video yeah. just like you can't set up a patreon without having a video just video 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 make this video look at all the best videos that have been that have been drivers of the most successful patreons and we just didn't do it because we didn't want to make a video because what we're doing a patreon for is a fucking audio product and we fucked around for a year and didn't like allow people who really wanted to give us money to give us money because the traditional wisdom for these things is you got it. You got to have an eye catching video videos, the way the internet works now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if I remember right, when we finally put up the Patreon, it was because they had updated their interface to allow Patreons that don't have a video. 
Yeah, I don't remember when that happened exactly. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it did require it the first time I looked. Really, it was like I saw the Crate and Crowbar Patreon, and I was like, oh yeah, I, this is, looks like nothing. I could make this. I'm good at nothing. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like this is a. It turns out a real nominal Patreon is still a Patreon. Yeah. Kickstarter video. Has it happened yet? Has somebody done a Kickstarter to make a Kickstarter video? <laughs> I haven't seen one. That's yeah, that, that could work. Kickstarter to fund the next Kickstarter. You want to talk about Breath of the Wild? Yeah, let's do it. I like Breath of the Wild. I think it's a good video no game. Spoilers. I've been playing it a lot. I'm super sad that I'm probably not going to get to have play you, it. Like okay. Have you done? Have... Ugh, it's driving me crazy. Uh yeah. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do my best. Borrow, uh, borrow a Wii U. Ugh. You surely have a friend that has a Wii U they're not using, <coughs> or a neighbor that has a Wii U that you can connect it that you can hack a gamepad. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything specific you want to say about it without any spoilers? Um, yeah, so I have now done all the dungeons. There are four of them. Um, and the first one I did, I liked the least, and that's why I talked about it in such negative terms. Which one was it? It was the camel one? It was the camel one. Okay. Um, and it was probably not the one, like, what, so I had been, like, assuming that these were all endgame things, and I had waited till my character was pretty powerful to do um, any of these dungeons. And I think you're actually supposed to do them, like, in the order you find them, uh, when you find them. So, like, you find the Zora one pretty quick, and I think you're intended to do that one right away. Um, and I think, like, I would have much preferred the pacing of this game had I done that. Have I? Do you get, like, mobility powers... From finishing the dungeons, you you want to do Zach personally? You want to do the um the bird dungeon? That's what I was trying to do, and I found myself at the Zora dungeon. Yeah, uh, I was trying to figure out where the birds might live, but then it seemed like I had to get through stuff that was too hot. Uh, so I don't know. I don't remember what. Oh yeah, the the elephant power is pretty good too. That's actually a nice one. Is that the hot one? Uh, the elephant one is the Zora dungeon, if I remember right. I see. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. Um but the uh I, I I definitely most the one I use most is the um the power that the the flying creature, I forget the name of the, the Rito maybe. Yeah. Those guys the that divine beast, um that's the power I use the most and it is very like it really does help your mobility. I also found that David Foster Wallace bandana which everybody was talking about oh, nice. that makes you climb faster. <laughs> and then the other two parts of the climbing outfit are in shrines with combats that are too hard for me to win. Yeah. Got to, got to, um, which I, I feel like the, the issue there is that I don't have like end game quality weapons. You can beat them with shitty weapons as long as you have weapons left to do damage with. Right. Um, like though, so the test of strength enemies, um, they only get harder in terms of, I think, damage scaling. And so once you've learned the patterns, once you have the patterns down, you can just whittle them down. Mm. Um, but, like, it is real tedious to try to do it with, like, a tree branch. Yep. And where you're going to die in one hit right. if you fuck up. Yep. Like, that's where that's where I got to, and I was like, eh, I'll come back to this. Yeah, do, do, don't, don't like, do that. Like, climbing is boring, but I if I, it takes me an hour to beat this thing, think about 
how but think about how, how much climbing you'll be during I would have hour. to do yeah to like make up that time I wish there were more than one source of that climbing gear than like three random shrines <laughs> and it's weird everybody finds the bandana apparently but I rather than going through that pass in the mountains when the main storyline tells you to do it I kind of went around yeah me too one of them so I just didn't find that shrine yeah I, I didn't find the um there's a character that Wants you to bring him maracas, and that's that character is the place you turn in all the Korok seeds you find. Mm, I found that guy. Yeah, I. And then found- he shows up everywhere. He's like other places in the world once oh, okay. you've unlocked him. I think. Well, so I I had to go back. To, like I had to like find the place he eventually goes, and say like, mm-hmm. oh, "Have you found this guy? He's probably he's probably over here." And I had to go back there to like the beginning of the game to start. I haven't found the guy that everyone tells me you run into very early on that lets you sell back your health and stamina upgrades. I haven't either. So apparently that's just like a kid standing outside of a town that everybody but me ran into. Everybody but me and you. Well, I also have the problem where, like, I don't want to read any text, (laughs) so I don't talk to people Mm. unless they have the quest icon. Yeah, you know, that's an actual... If I had one genuine complaint about Mass Effect Andromeda, it is that you cannot, there is no modality for getting through conversations where you see all of the lines, but still can skip ahead. Oh. Like, it skips to the end of the scene when you hit the space bar. And so if there's five seconds of animation before they speak again, like, every line of dialogue counts as a scene, but like pressing the space bar does not always go right to the next line of dialogue. Sometimes it goes to the next pause and pressing the space bar there skips an entire line of dialogue. That is a bummer. Like I, I just want to re I mean it like video games with voice acting perpetually give me the like deep seated stress response that I would get when I was in grade school and people were taking turns reading aloud from the material that we were reading, which is a thing that like I would, if I had kids that were school age, I would move to a new city (laughs) if it could guarantee that there was a school district that they would go to that did not allow this to happen in their classrooms. Or maybe my kid will be like adult and read real slow and it will be fine for them. But like, just the idea of having to sit there and wait for someone else to read to you drives me up a fucking wall. And that's what voice acting in video games is. Can you turn off the subtitles? Yeah. That might be the way to handle it. Uh, God, probably. Yeah, but then then I will be avoiding characters yeah. in this. To Yeah. Yeah, man. You can skip fairly, I mean, because Zelda's not really voice acted, right? No. Like, there's an occasional line. Like there, there are, there are like video cutscenes that have full voice acting, but those are by far the exception. Yeah, I usually, whenever it goes into that title screen style of the like, you know, kind of Mayan looking mosaic of Zelda stuff, that's usually like my cue to get up and go to the bathroom. Right. Like, because boy, do I not fucking care. Oh, man. The switch I can bring into the bathroom, so that doesn't work for me. Oh, 
I tried with because I just didn't want it to like if it started again. I tried it with the Wii U, but between my bathroom and my living room, even though it's like six feet, it's uh, there's no, too many got, walls you're in for the Faraday it to work. cage. Yeah, live in a Faraday cage. That's a bummer. Yeah, when I um back when my Wii U worked, um, and I was also living in the previous house, I had the the advantage that um both my toilet and my bed were within 15 feet of the Wii U. Nice. So I could just play that thing basically whenever my whole my entire life uh, um well should we talk about the assignment sure. yeah Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the NES it's hard um I ended up playing all the way through this again Riff I watched the first like few minutes of oh, yeah. your uh my, my hat the my entire half playthrough. hour playthrough <laughs> that, I, that I posted on YouTube yeah I'm terrible at these games it's a cute game though Use uh, save I, states, I man. I did eventually start uh, start using save states, but it still was not. Was I not got to like enough. level five of this, and I found the difficulty to be really uneven. Yeah, like the the first level is was the hardest thing in the like in the part I played. Those rats are an extremely difficult platforming challenge. <laughs> well, it was also just a really long level. It was like three times as long as yeah. I was expecting. And, and the it penalty to be. for yeah. losing and is and you only have three start, health, and they're frustrating. Yeah. 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 Um, and like the boss of that level was trivial. Yeah, the, all like, the boss fights are all the boss fights are very, very, which very is not easy. something I was expecting. Yeah, no, it's weird. It's I mean, it's weird because this was presumably a children's game. Well, back then, like children are expected to be good at video games. I guess that's true. On the NES, every game was really <laughs> a children's game. Right. Um, Did anybody play it co-op? I didn't. Nope. I, I as a kid, I did. And I'm trying to think like. Did this game actually do anything interesting with co-op, or is it just two players on the screen at once? I like that there are those aliens that occasionally become your sprite, which I think is a much more interesting feature in in co-op. Oh, yeah. That is I think you can pick each – I want to say you can pick each other up. I know you could at least step on each other. Yeah. So that that lets you beat some of the platforming challenges without having those reusable concrete blocks that you can pick up and set right. down to. It This game had a weird number of mechanics that it like barely used. Right? It seems like you could take this engine and make a game that was as good as DuckTales, you know, what I think is the slightly better version yeah. of this. It's like satisfying to move around. It's satisfying to throw stuff. They definitely used a lot of the sort of memory budget on making there be a lot of really varied sprites and environments yeah. in the game, which is really... Yeah, it was a good looking game. I think this is probably why I liked it so much as a kid was that I'm a sucker for that, like... As like a fishing pole repurposed as a crane because you're really small trope of children's media that Rescue Rangers was just kind of all about that. Do do you remember – this is a weird question. Do you remember if in DuckTales the title screen music looped or did it end and then start again? Huh. Huh. 
Yeah, I, it could loop in Ducktales, right. right? Because that the baseline never quits. But yeah, this one definitely stops and starts. And, and it's really good. It, I like the the theme song to Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I think is a really good song. It's a good song anyway. But this chiptunes arrangement is really good. It's good. I preemptively yeah. while I was playing it today, I preemptively like went and ripped an MP3 of that from YouTube so that I could toss it on to the end of this because it's real good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the games that in the NES lounge. At Zapcon, while I'm setting up, I will often just put a game into a Nintendo <laughs> and turn it on so that the uh, the music will be playing while I'm working. And so I'll I'll usually put Wizards and Warriors in right. so that I can just hit reset and listen to that over and over again. <laughs> Gauntlet, uh, which that listener pointed out, are like they both do the same like descending fifths yeah. uh, thing. I and, really like the the Solstice title music. Oh, I'll have to see if we have a copy of Solstice. Um, but this is another one that I'll just toss in because it's just a really good arrangement of yeah. a good TV the, theme song. The reason I bring it up is that um, it's not immediately obvious unless you're paying attention to it. But you, the reason you can't loop this title theme is that it keeps going up in key. key change. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like, like key changes up like a couple octaves over yeah, the course of it. It's like six key changes in two minutes. It's pretty impressive. It's great. It is a great song. Yeah. I like it a lot, yeah. That's, I mean, Disney had some good songwriting talent available oh, yeah. to them in the 80s and 90s, right? It's I true, mean, yeah. like, that makes sense that. I don't know, like, is the Darkwing Duck theme music good? I never I, watched Darkwing I, Duck, I so no I don't know how that, that, yeah. I don't know how that song goes. Like, DuckTales, obviously super memorable. Tailspin. <laughs> Tailspin, that song is pretty good. I actually don't remember that one either. I It's got a kind of... Uh, I Bobby McFerrin oh, kind yeah. of vibe to it. Um, I never watched Tailspin. Like, I was had zero interest. I mean, I was kind of too old for all of this stuff, but, like, DuckTales or Rescue Rangers, I could kind of at least get behind what they were doing with it. Tailspin was like, eh, this is like some... Like, I, don't, I also don't want to read Rudyard Kipling right now as a 12-year-old. Like, that's the same. Like, I'm not interested in this. Like, I could go back and read the, like, Cub Scout handbook if I really wanted some, like, weird, like, imperialist Christian overtoned, like, well, it, stories about African animals talking to each other. do that? Because I remember it just taking those characters and putting them in this other setting. Yeah, but I didn't ever watch it, so I oh, just assumed okay. that it was, I assumed that it was, like, I don't know. Anytime the bad guy's a tiger... <laughs> I'm like, eh. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I like the tigers, too. See, anytime the bad guy's a snake, like in Conan oh, the yeah, Barbarian, I'm like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we forgot to choose an assignment for next time. No, we just don't have one. That's not how it works, Jim. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Riff. <laughs> you're going to close your eyes for three seconds. You're going to open your eyes, and the thing that you say is going to be our assignment. <laughs> I'm, I'm not... I mean, I can try it. I'm not sure that's likely to to work. <laughs> I I posted a thing the other day, didn't I? Have some stuff that we just said it. It's gonna work. Um, it it's sheer right, force right, of will I'm here. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm like gonna assignment can be anything. Eyes. A few seconds to close my eyes. Hang on a second. Okay. Uh, I'm nearly. I'm I'm clicking with my eyes closing. Eeny meeny miny mo. Uh, this look, looking at this list never works, guys. Uh, this is a different, <clears throat> this is a different list. list 
Uh, how about Night in the Woods? Okay, sure. Okay, yeah, sure. The riff's already no, played. I it's a hill agree. It and I've been okay. meaning to. So yeah, I, I yeah, I need to force myself to play it. Okay. So, Me too. Because it's one of those things like Oxen Free that I would never play, <laughs> even <laughs> if we make it an assignment. <laughs> so maybe I'll get ten minutes into this and there'll be a scripting bug that makes me angry <laughs> and all. I mean, worst case, you could look at some awesome Night in the Woods animated gifs on Twitter. That's true. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for doing this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with me. It's been a, it's been you're very welcome, Zach. A real delight. Um, thanks for thanks for taking time out of your vomiting and coughing okay. schedule, Anytime. Kevin. Anytime. Thanks for um, thanks for taking a yeah, break from sure. work, Riff. <laughs> also, thanks sure. for all the work, buddy. We're making a lot sure of video are. game. God, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be worth it. Yeah, no, I know, man. Uh. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks for joining us, listeners, and uh, I, you know, I hope I hope by the time we do this again, you'll be back. And if you are or you aren't, cockaboo belaya. Good night. Jumbox in a tucker bag. <laughs> <laughs>